podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Monday's Terrace Podcast, the Scottish football podcast which is starting to view Brian Rice's formations as a warning much in M. Night Shyamalan signs, and we can only assume that an alien invasion will be starting at the Stadium of Hope. Uh, we can only hope what makes it a Hamilton for the rest of us to find a way to survive. Anyway, today I am joined by two Craigs, one lives in the South, one lives in the West. First of all, hello, hello first of all to Craig Cairns. Hello. And hello Craig Anderson. Hello. I'm Graham Thillis, and today we'll be going through... The weekend's action, where some stuff happened, so we'll get cracked on with that. Um, so we'll start with which with what seems to be kind of the obvious one to go with. So we'll we'll, we'll look at the Edinburgh Derby, which uh, saw the youngest hearts or the youngest Edinburgh Derby goal scorer since the second what since before the Second World War. And and as Aaron Hickey sealed, I can't speak to the at all. Uh, as You've Aaron, just come up those stairs, I know, I've got I know. huge stairs. We've got to cut as, uh, some slack here. As Aaron Hickey sealed a win. Four Hearts in an Edinburgh Derby, which was almost exactly true to form. It was very similar in format to um, the last one at the end of last season with the, with the team's reverse. Flint. When, yeah, when Hearts, Hearts went into the lead and then uh, it was Horgan scored twice and Hibs came back to win. You, caught, you kind of had, I don't know, there was a kind of sense of inevitability about it in the sense that Hibs, mm, I wouldn't say the better team, they created more chances in the first half, got their goal just after half time and then did fuck all. Uh, and the, then the, the immediate aftermath of the Hibs goal was finally the Edinburgh Derby, which we have all come to expect, and that it's 100 miles an hour, that, that's what it is. But for the first half, I found it incredible that neither team, and I, I, it's understandable given that it's the team that was 12th against the team that's 10th, but neither team was willing to be brave on the ball, and more than that, nobody was really willing to be brave off the ball either. There was nobody really willing to go and press the game at all. Uchi pressing the game is always a good laugh. And also, in addition to that, if you want a, a smile, play Uchi running backwards, because it's brilliant. It, honestly, it's just the best thing in the world. But Is this your work day? Is this what you've been yeah, up to? Yeah, just making, making Uchi go backwards and forwards. It, it's great fun to watch, because he's because he's all arms and legs, it's, it's a great <laughs> movement to see. Um, but nobody was willing to be brave off the ball. Nobody in that Hibs midfield, no one in the, the Hearts team. Hibs had a midfield? Well, also that. No one was willing to go and press the game. No one was willing to put Berra under pressure, particularly because we've seen that in the past few games, that Berra under pressure is not good for Hearts at all. Um, they moved to a back three to sort of protect him a little bit more. And for Hibs as well, nobody was. none of the Hearts players were really willing to go and and it's possibly in the way that Uchi is and that he is a bit lumbering. He's not going to go and press, but get on top of Stevenson, get on top of Naismith as well. Exploit those gaps. The Hibs left the entire left hand side. I thought the Hearts did exploit the gaps a few times. There was a few times that Mulroney got in behind uh, Naismith, yeah. but um, it was just it, it's a typical Mulroney. He, he can get in, into good positions. He can he can uh, execute a step over. He can go past the player, but he's got no end product. There was only a couple of times in the first half that I really felt that the the Hearts exploited that in the way they should because 
Naismith was getting very far forward because no one in the Hibs midfield can win a header because they're all about five foot five. And Malin was also playing a bit narrow on yeah. that side for so asking to overlap. You're, you're asking your fullbacks to do so much work to get up and support. And because of that, because Malin's not going to drop in and cover, the whole left hand side for Hearts was there. And Moreni got in there a couple of times, but it really was an opportunity for Hearts to make an awful lot more. And of it. Hearts also played slightly lopsided as well, whereas um Hickey was more of a fullback and um Mulraney was a bit more of a winger. I was actually a bit surprised that... Um, there were, I mean, there was very little football in the first half, but I was actually surprised by Hearts' performance. Um, after they went 1-0 down, they seemed to play better football. Now, you seem uh, you would think that the pressure that they're under and the, the eye-bleeding football that they've played uh, this calendar year so far, um, you think that that would then force them into going more direct and, and, and rushing the play and going forward. But I actually thought Hearts played much more football after going a goal down than they did beforehand. And then after Hearts equalised, it looked like there was only going to be one winner after that. I think Levine possibly, his tactics, it's a bit of a handbrake on some of the players in that they're almost like a bit, what you said, that they're all kind of, it was all very passive and they're a bit fearful to make a mistake. And they're fearful. And then once they go behind, it's like, well, we, we can't, can, yeah, we can't do that anymore. Because you've got someone like Machino, in terms of, um, I can never work out which order the H and the S are in in his name, so I just call him Mich- Machino. Um, so just, just call him that Japanese yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rio. Um, he is clearly, you can watch, just from watching five minutes that game, clearly the best footballer on the park. Technically, Technically yeah, yeah. Just, just the, the way he comes, receives the ball. The ball comes to him, his body shape's perfect, the way he turns... Everything about him's good. Okay, he is ludicrously lightweight and just gets kind of swept aside like an empty carrier bag a lot of the time. But he's like, when he's uh, when he gets space on the ball, he, he makes things happen. And it felt like he gradually realised that Hibs had no midfield and was drifting into those spaces where Vela nominally was. But that's not that's not his game. I, I don't think that's the type of player Vela is. Well, you could ask the question of what type of player he is full stop, but what Hibs lack is any sort of defensive midfielder. They, ju- they just don't have one. Well, this Halkenberg was supposed to be, but he I actually forgot he was playing at one point, and I know that's quite like a, a curt thing to say sometimes, but um, I, I, I genuinely forgot he was playing until um, at one point until he slashed at that effort. And if, if he's just a bit more composed and gets that on target... Um, and heads would turn up. There's no way back for Hearts at that point. It's, it's one of those things that happens, and I think I think it's a real measure of a footballer is when everyone's losing their head. Can you be the guy that is calm in that position and doesn't just slash at the ball? And I think when you see players going through Scottish football, there are not a lot of players who are calm in that situation, and the ones that are stand out. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of examples off the top of my head. Someone like a Jermaine Defoe. They're not going to lie. Ryan Christie would be another one. They'll do yeah. the right thing. I thought a big turning point in the game, one that I don't think has really been highlighted particularly as well, was Callum Morrison's introduction. And mm-hmm. I, I, last time out, last year. Sean Clare's, what's the opposite of introduction? <laughs> binning. Um, but last year, a lot of times I saw Morrison, I thought he added a lot to Hearts, whether he was in possession or out of possession. And I think I, I actually thought he was quite telling as well in that as soon as he came on, Hibbs was sort of a bit shaken by the fact that there was suddenly an option out on the wide right. As you say, Hearts were quite lopsided before, but the only player that was really likely to break through 
and sort of and sort of spread the game a little bit it was more rainy on the left hand side, so you can load up players on that on that side or be aware of him. And then, as you say, Machino, the heart centre halves were, were pretty comfortable with him, or the hip centre halves knew what to expect from him. But I thought Morrison coming on the right hand side, even though he wasn't hugely involved in the game, really pinned. Uh, Hibs back after he came on as well and just looked a little bit more wary of everything. It may have been yeah. because Hibs had scored and at that point dropped well, deeper in as well. Right away he got the ball and yeah. I think there was a couple of occasions uh, within a couple of minutes of coming on where he uh, caused a little bit of problems, won a corner and that. But I think the the kind of indirect change um, was um, Hickey going over to the left yeah. and for the rest of the game there was a fair bit of good link-up play between Machino, Mulraney and Hickey. And uh, and and that's ultimately, that was the side that the, the winner came from in the end. I know it was deflected, but, I mean, who knows where that's strike side, was going, really. It's the side, the corner that they won for the, um, yeah. the, the yeah. first goal yeah. come from as well. Was that a quick worked. free kick? Was that right? I, mean, I can't remember. It was, it was it a corner and Machino took it quickly. No, no, but I think the corner comes from a oh, quick free kick taken, I think. Yeah, yeah. Whelan, yeah. And Whelan talking talking of Hibs not having someone to just anchor the midfield while Whelan did that for Hearts. He just sat there. He can't run. He's not. He's not got the <laughs> legs. That's what we expect. He's from, 30, yeah. 35, 36 years old. Of mm. course, he's not going to run about like a dafty. But again, he's a player who holds his shape, gives the team a bit of solidity, and he had a very good game. A guy who I was a bit sceptical of. You've seen um, Gareth McCauley, um Aaron Hughes, these sorts of guys aging, aging players coming up here and just looking completely off it. But he looks like he might have something to offer. He looks like he looks after himself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying these other guys didn't, but he, he, he does look like he looks after himself. And he's still in the Ireland squad, so he's got to be doing something right at be- that age. Between Hearts and Hibs midfield, could you just do some quick swaps between the two of them and both teams get an awful lot better, given that Hearts have no. nothing but holding players? No, I'm not having that. I'm and H- stick. And Hibs only have lightweight midfielders. So if you, we for example, if you, if, you, if you swap... If uh, if you swap perhaps Malin for one of Hearts four, Ma- one of Hearts four holding players or Allen for one of Hearts holding players, do both teams immediately get better? No, <laughs> I think uh, stick and change the manager, please. For both teams, I don't care what Hibs do. <laughs> if we're going to go, I mean, for for Malin, it's just what he does. He is completely anonymous for. 89 minutes and 59 seconds of a game and then the one second that he's there yeah, it's, it's incredible he's not far away with that free kick either no um, he's I think I think someone pointed out in, in our group chat about Walla Pereira was it false I was watching it back and I'm like well yeah he is because he's caught flat footed however I can kind of understand being flat footed because you see an opposing player who you probably don't know much about you don't know who Stevie mm-hmm. Mallon is if you're arriving from Manchester United I don't think they're watching videos of Stevie Mallon in their uh, but I think the, the midfielders maybe would have, or the, the, yeah, the no. direct opponents, and I think that's who the blame lies with because the space he's got, you don't let Stevie Mallon have that much space and hit a shot even that far out. That's who's at fault there. Fair enough. Uh, do we have anything more to say on the Edinburgh Derby going forward? Um, and just uh, the winner from Hickey, just uh, okay, it's a deflection, but the the link up, the step overs from Uche, step overs, we cannot move on without talking about it. Them. Was it was it was Tony dropped out of the group chat as well. I, I was sitting next to Tony, so we had the same conversation. I cannot believe those step overs <laughs> led to a goal. 
I also, want to relive those stepovers for the rest of my life. I also like how he left a rubble of Hibs players after scoring his own goal, goal as well. There was uh, there was like four Hibs players within five yards of him and no other Hearts player in sight when he uh, hooked that in. Is Maxwell at fault there? I think he sees that very late. I think it comes through Porteous, and yeah, he's kind of he's kind of blinded by it. I think, and th- that's what it looks like to me. Does Marciano save it? Marciano dives the other way. <laughs> I, I just think everything about the goal was really bad from a Hibs point of view. It's like Christoph Beres, I mean, HSI, the best header of the ball yeah. in the Hibs in the Hearts team, and he wasn't very well picked up. And it's like if you're going to watch, there's two guys in that Hearts. Okay, Halkett, so you do have a lot of targets, but. Better watch him. You know the ball's coming to him. The heart's use that set piece all the time. I mean, he's pretty tall as well, Naismith. But he's, he's not the, uh, he's, he's tall for a fullback, but he's not like an aggressive mm-hmm. defender. Dominant, and I think, yeah, yeah. Get Porteous on. He had a horrible you know game, I mean? but I, I, I do think he'll get better. I do think he'll get better once he gets fitter. Uh, on, on Hickey as well, I've sort of weirdly ended up at pretty much every one of Aaron Hickey's games at this point. And he has this incredible ability. I, I remember because it was his debut. Um, I think it was his debut at Parkhead on the last day of the season. Um, uh, he might have come on as a sub before that at some point. I, mean, I think it was his, maybe his first start. Yeah. I think I can't remember exactly. But in yeah. that game in the Scottish Cup final and and the derby there as well, he has this incredible ability to after about sort of 60, 70 minutes to look absolutely done in, like finished, like cannot play another minute of football, and then suddenly somehow let somehow be able to keep going. Um, and you saw that from his goal. It was maybe five minutes before that, ten minutes before that. He genuinely looked a case of he needs to come off or he's going to have to sit down for ten minutes. He just cannot move anymore because his legs have just gone. And then fires in the goal. And then the pace at which he then takes off towards the Hearts fans is astonishing as well, given how <laughs> knackered they looked. First of all, to get that strike off. And then secondly, to run directly to as far as... Not even just run to his closest direction to the Hearts fans to run as far away into the heart support as he possibly could as well. Um, unbelievable level of energy from him as well, who's very good throughout. And again, particularly stick it starting left, ending up starting right, ending up left, and then obviously that goal as well. Um, so we'll move on to Celtic Park, where we saw possibly the most Eamon Brophy goal that ever did Eamon Brophy. Um, as he... Open the scoring for Kamara. I say the second most Damon Brophy goal because the most Damon Brophy goal is a penalty. Okay. Um, but yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was one of those games where Kelly go to, I've seen that performance from Kelly quite a lot, go to um, Irox, go to Celtic Park, they're, they're setting out to frustrate, try and sneak a goal. I think it was more or less their first time up the park. Um, and we did get it. It was a lovely goal. Smashing, smashing ball from um, him. Yeah, well. it's in the outside, outside of foot. foot and he, he picks it out. And, and he's, as I say, really grown into things recently. Um, you still, Brophy, you don't have any expectation of him doing anything in that position. I don't mean that for, I don't mean just because no, of him, no. I mean any player. Because he's got three defenders around him. He's 20 or 25 yards from goal. And then he just a couple of touches finds himself and he's very good at that he finds himself just a wee yard of space to get a shot away and the guy strikes the ball with a lot of power yeah. um, and, and he for- Foster has absolutely no chance with that and then it was an odd one because I've watched that a bunch of times because it looks for all the world like it's t- the way the flight of the ball is it looks like it's taking a deflection but the way he's just st- struck right through it seems to go up and down in, in one movement as well it, yeah, it, was, it really wasn't clear to me if it did or it didn't yeah, I still, it's, I, uh, I'm still not entirely clear one way or another just the, the flight of the ball was very very odd um, and then I think for that, for Kelly, obviously looking to hold on to half time and just couldn't quite do it. And it was, um, it was a mistake from Findlay for the equaliser. He just got caught under. 
Did he rescue Shudubert though? It seems like yeah. he saved all the hard ones. Well, he was, he was the one in the wind straight. I think him. he's going, he's going one way, and then it's very hard to dive back and he get down the other way. He did look. I think, I, I think someone else, not himself. Oh, yeah. I think um, it was. It would be Finley because Finley, yeah. well, I mean, okay, you, you can look at um, O'Donnell letting a cross in, but there's uh, there's two or three Celtic players down that side. But Finley got, gets caught under it. Um, we've seen him do that before. I think it's probably. I would say the one weakness in this game when he's when he's got a ball he can attack, he's very good at it. When he's on the deck he's he's generally very good. But when when he gets that situation where he's static, which can happen as a defender, if if you are in your position and then a player is attacking you, you have to be a bit cleverer in terms of getting you know, not getting caught underneath the ball, getting timing your jump properly, etc. And he didn't do that. I think that'll be incredibly frustrating for Kelly because you get in at 1-0, someone like Alessio, you know that his strength is in the, the tactics and the shape, etc. He can get in, he can tell them. They spend a lot of time doing shape and training, help. I believe. But they're, um, they're all out of shape. Um, and, and you can expect get in, he can tell them what to do, you, you get refreshed, you go back out, instead they concede the goal and then there's another two in within 10 minutes of the restart or 15 minutes in the game's dead at that point Kelly were kind of riding their luck before yeah, that yeah, yeah, of course, I mean, of course. and you've got to if you, even if you go get a result at Celtic Park you have to to an extent but Forrest just looked like he was on fire remember when he, when he could barely be effective as a right winger which is yes. his natural position and now it just doesn't matter where you put well, him well, I think he's, he's obviously very used to kind of uh, making Stephen O'Donnell look like a bad defender so he's obviously <laughs> usually when he's playing front of him for Scotland but he's uh, we just thought he'd go over and do it on the other side there but you know he was, he was relentless Forrest and, and you know how good they can be, um, and when you, when Celtic have a player like James Forrest on form, there is very little that mm-hmm. any opposing team can really do. Um, so it's kind of yeah. Edward gets two goals. Um, both it just Edward. Edward. This is a sort of ongoing debate in the, the test scripture, as it is beyond as well in terms of Edward or Morel. Every time Edward just keeps looking absolutely lethal at the moment. It's just whether he comes in and out of games and whatever else, but it doesn't matter because when he gets the chance, he absolutely buries it in both goals. Well, as you say, the first one maybe a mistake from Finlay, maybe a mistake from O'Donnell, maybe a, a, a mistake from Bernescu. It doesn't matter. The second one in particular, the angle that he comes in at, the movement for it, the, yeah, mo- the yeah. movement, the angle, the pass, everything about it is a really, really clever, a really wonderful goal. And he just looked absolutely deadly. At the I'm definitely in the Edward camp. Uh, scores more in big games. Um, although Morelos has scored I mean, a, a few important goals for Rangers. Yeah, as well. Edward and because I, I mean we had this debate the other night, and I, I prefer Morelos as a yeah, player. No, but if we're talking about um, as simply as a player, Edward, yes. But I mean, there's no doubt that Morelos is more box office. Yeah, but but you're talking about big games, and and yes, Edward scored in the old firm game, but he has better teammates round about him than Morelos does in those games, and he's not shown up a lot in Europe in the big European games. He's not yet. <laughs> There's a couple of That's times fair. he's done it, but and, and I think Morelos has scored big goals for Rangers. Malaysia, Warsaw, one yeah, um, standout. And and again, goal scoring, scoring. Yeah. I was surprised someone wasn't going to dig me out, but I was I was all prepared for it. Cause I think Morelos scored eight times against Kelly last season, so Edward scoring a couple did not um, did not de- make me deviate from that. <laughs> um, in terms of Ryan Christie's goal, it's an incredible save from Brunescu, yeah. and I hate it when any goalkeeper makes such a good save. And then it's, it's a waste anyway. of time. Yeah, yeah uh, might as well not. Might as well have stood and let it in. Um, you look like he had a very good game. I, mean, I know we said he's possibly at fault for the first goal, but um, he had a very good game overall. It looked like he, yeah, really he's, he's impressed me. He's, I, I've never seen a, a guy with such 
confusing distribution. Um, <laughs> like you, you have no idea where the ball's going to go when he kicks it. It can go left, right, up, down, all over the place. But uh, yeah, no, he's been, he's been good so far. Um, I, I have a I wonder if um, Koprinek or whatever this uh, I don't even know if Slovenian boy might start in the cup game in midweek just to get a look at him. He's I I can't see that we sign a Slovenian international goalkeeper yeah. to not at least. Challenge. Have a couple of games, so and that I, a good honest Scottish laddie like uh, Jamie yeah. McDonald leave. Yes, well, um, after the nomads game, he can um, go wherever he wants. Um, I, but it's funny with McDonald, like every club he's left, more or less, they've thought he's been very popular. But they've all kind of thought, Do you know what, it's time for you to go. Even the Falkirk fans, obviously, he kind of chucked the cup final. Hearts, it was the same. It was like, okay, I think quite a lot of Hearts players wanted him to stay after that. He had performed. It's one of the best, one of his best seasons as a player, I think, in that relegation season. Um, Some people thought that was harsh. I mean, he he was shipping four at United at the time, so yeah, <laughs> or the day previous. Sorry, so yeah, ups and downs. Um, if we look at oh, the other incident, I guess was the penalty. Um, really nice pass from St Clair, so he came on for his debut, and that's I guess that um, if that's what we're hoping for, I think that's why he's been brought in. It's a little bit of flair, a little bit of kind of creativity. You saw that with the through pass to So. And then the penalty, it's just a shame, as I say, Brophy had been substituted because well, he did, he he's both penalties all the time, that's what he does. Um, and then the, we were talking about this because there was nobody really on that park who you would be like, I, you can... You, yeah, I'm going to back you. Uh, apparently Power took Lincoln's penalties, because so, uh, I wouldn't have put him down as... So, I would have him hitting the penalty, not when, when there was like So on the park. And I know he hit an absolutely atrocious penalty for... Dundee United in the playoffs, but who hasn't? Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and and as I say, probably wouldn't have mattered, but it would at least have set up a wee kind of grandstand finish um, at 3-2. But beyond that, I mean, Celtic are just better. I mean, they're just a good team. They've won all six of games so far. It's not too concerning for Kelly. It's a good win for Celtic. They, they're all they're interested in in between, and you know, midweek, after a midweek European game, get the three points yep. in the back and they do it. It looked like a, a, a fairly interesting day for all in the end, I think five fullbacks that played during the game. Hamilton looked like he had another good game. O'Donnell looked like he had a, a difficult game at, at times. Bauer looked really good for Celtic. Bolingola looked really good for Celtic. So yeah, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot to look at for That's fullback fans. Yeah, you said five, and El Hamid came on yeah. later on as well. Um, I didn't really see very much from him. But everyone else seemed to contribute a good bit to it as well. Greg Taylor was sitting on the bench. Yes, so, uh, it was great to see great to see Scott Brown get another ninety minutes as well. So so good for him. Um, we'll move on to another uh, Sunday uh, game where uh, St Johnston went down 4 nothing to, to Rangers with uh, Morelos, Goldson and the only thing that's saving my fantasy football at the moment is Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, 11, 11 goals conceded in two old firm games for St Johnston. So things are looking up. They only conceded four this time instead of seven. So positives. One next time and then negative two the following one. So they're on a, a real improvement. Um they they were good in the or fairly good in the first half. The best um, chance in the yeah, first half. and and were pretty competitive in the game. And then yeah, to concede to concede a to concede a goal after half time is bad enough. To concede that goal from your own attacking set. It was piece. like the first goal that Scotland conceded against Belgium, just committing far too many players Why? forward um, for your attacking set piece. Why? Why? Why are okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why is the is the main question there? You okay? Yes, your set pieces are your best chance to score. So load big bodies in the box, but don't load every player forward. Yeah. 
or, or have Ralston in some. I mean, maybe it's Ralston's fault and not like the management for positioning him there, but um, not having him in this sort of no man's land between not being uh, in a defensive position and not being in a, in the box to attack the ball. How much are you actually reducing your chance of scoring if you put five guys in the box instead of six? As long as you aim the ball at one of the five, <laughs> like, I don't know what I mean. It's simple. Yeah. Like you can have one guy in the box, and if you hit the ball towards him, like with a good good amount of quality, and he's good enough to win the header. You know, so yeah. it's just it's just criminal. I think, especially in their position, that point in the game where they've been playing well, they've been creating chances. Stevie may still not looking like scoring, but I mean, you saw him setting up O'Halloran. He, he was having a a productive afternoon. A pest. Yeah, and then as soon as you go one 0 down, it's like, well, St. Johnson aren't the type of team who you think can come back from one 0 down against. That, that they're not. They've not got the kind of creative players that can make something happen against a team who aren't chasing the game. So when and Rangers are on a bad run of form as well, and I think as well that they go into this game, you don't expect them to win it. Um, so it, it's not. There's no. There's no shame in them coming away from that game losing, but the last thing they needed was another hump in, given the amount of goals they've already conceded this season and the fact that that's six games in and they still don't have a win. It's actually quite concerning because at the same time, there has been quite a few um, positive signs uh, in, in that team, I think. But yeah, it's, it's very concerning that they can't post the first win and they're, they're conceding well, and even the amount of goals. Well, even the cup group stage when they managed to get jobbed out by a bunch of... Montrose and Forfar. Yeah, they lost to two two lower league teams. They lost to Ross County and they won one match. I don't know where they go. Um, as well as again, while it's Rangers, and again, well, they, they did really well in the first half, and you can understand things slipping after the first goal. But the goals they conceded are just really, really poor goals. It's like two counter attacks, one set piece, and then the last one with Defoe as well. By that point, they had absolutely chucked it. But there's six Saints players in the box. None of them particularly close to the photo at him. Tom oh, score. He's, 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 he's a very good player. Fairly were just playing him offside and uh, the linesman didn't give it. <laughs> true, so, true, true. Uh, <laughs> that's not what they were doing, but yeah. you could argue as such. It was interesting with the, the kind of controversy um, around that goal, where it's, it's something I've had a, I've had a bugbear about for a long time, which is people showing angles which are not straight along a line yeah, and claiming it's over, yeah, yeah claiming it's conclusive because well, what you was can, one from last season where Tom English was on Twitter saying it definitely was yeah, it a was, decision and it wasn't a down opposite it was, it was a Scotland, Scotland goalkeeper World Cup yeah, yeah Alexander yeah. and it's the same type of idea if you do not have an, a camera angle looking right along the line you have absolutely no idea okay if the ball literally hits the net or if there's a guy who's like you know five yards inside the goal mm-hmm. but yeah. in the clear just because an angle from like what a 45 degree angle to it is showing a gap between the line and the ball that shows nothing and then so a lot of people were made to look quite stupid I think because they, they, they kind of went on about how much yeah. and then you could see from the angle that it was it was, it was brilliant from Davis actually. I was going to say it's, it's an incredible it's effort insane. on the first one just hits him to be yeah, fair the first yeah. one and the noise that, takes it in the, chest. the noise that it makes when it hits him on the camera is absolutely wonderful as well because it's a proper like from three yards at five aside on a cold Tuesday night, you hear the thud against the <laughs> chest. But then to get back up, and the second, the second when he does, it gives an awful lot more that he is, it's a more effort to do it, and it's an incredible block from him as well. And it's 
St. Johnson, if St. Johnson are in better form, more confident, it probably doesn't matter. It gets blistered into the net. They yeah. had three chances to score. I, I, it all reminded me of a um, Rangers Dundee game where Marco Hara scored one where it bounced about the box like that, and Marco Hara just absolutely leveled yeah, yeah. the ball in from about ten yards, and it like it, it felt like it was going. If it went through the net, it was, it was just probably when he was on his wee <laughs> yeah. When he was playing yeah, for Dundee, if it, it felt like it would have ended up in Tannadice if it hadn't hit the net, kind of thing. But um, and he announced himself as an attacking midfielder after being tried at right back and centre back about. <laughs> More on him later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yes, there's an aspect to that, and it's obviously when it goes up the other end and Rangers score, they feel aggrieved, St Johnston. But as it turns out, without it was absolutely Fair play to Rangers though, because um, felt like we had just seen this one before, where they struggled to break down a team and then they, they eke out a one 0 or something. That's happened to them a couple of times this season, and you were still kind of on the fence a bit about whether. How, how much have Rangers improved and how much is are these goals yeah. just kind of papering over the cracks and it looks like this one could have gone uh, down the same kind of route well, it's, I mean, but it totally this, blew St Johnston away in that second half this is the fourth or fifth time they've done that this season you start to look at it and say well maybe they are just better I think early in the season when the, the first couple of times they do it you, you look back yeah. and you think you're kind of on the fence about whether is that a game that they would have drawn last season therefore signs of improvement or are they going to keep doing this and yeah. and come unstuck? But um, it looks like it, it looks like yeah, um, the other, they are, they are better. 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 And the the one strange thing I find though is Katic being dropped again though because for the last two matches now they, they've they've still yeah. kept their clean sheets. But this happened last season. Katic started the season very well, and he was dropped. And Gerard said at the time he was jaded. I don't know whether that was true or whether he was just wanting to get yeah. another player into the team. Um, and he was never really the same after that. Uh, after that he was dropped last season, and this season again, he started very, very well. He's been better than Goldson at the start of this season, and um, like I say, it's not had an impact because they've had two clean sheets in the two games they've done it. But I believe it was Hellander's was it Hellander's header back or something that let uh, Halloran in for that chance. And I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything, but I just wonder what effect this will have. Uh, on it's interesting himself being jaded. He was um, away playing for Croatia under 21s in the, in the it, yeah. Euros in the in the summer and stuff like that. But it is a strange one, and, and there's a lot of rumours when when I've been looking at um, Rangers Twitter for the lineups for both um, the final game and Dennis and Johnson game. A lot of the replies were kind of hinting at a fallout. Yeah. Is that some ah, fans okay. have maybe heard? But there was talk of that last season yeah, yeah. and it didn't really seem to be anything because he's still there. Um, he's like, a good player, but this, the other ones are good players. It's kind of hard when you've got three players who have roughly equal quality playing in a position. Well, maybe you do need to have a week. Well, give them all Edmondson that. as well, so they've got the four. Yeah, we don't know anything about him. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen him play, so I couldn't... I just saw him yeah. against was it East Fife and he didn't yeah. have to do much defending. Yeah, but again, you, you've spent three or four million, was it three million pounds, four million pounds on a set half. So at some point, he's going to have to play. Yeah, yeah. you feel um, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a, it's hardly, it's, it's, I'd say it's a million miles from a problem from Rangers at the moment. As you say, they're keeping clean sheets. All the three of the set halves are playing reasonably well at the, at, the, at the bare minimum. So yeah, and again, Hellander needs to play games, and St Johnston after a European game seems like probably to give him a bit of a run seems about right in there as well. But uh, yeah, so yeah, good. Uh, as you said, I was going to just highlight again, as we mentioned before, it was, it's good refereeing in bits and pieces, and also bad refereeing in bits and pieces. More the penalty, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and Murray Davison won as well, which it looks couldn't be any like closer to it without you know what I mean. Without, without standing on his toes, um, <laughs> yeah. Not, and these, then, these are the ones which Celtic fans will claim are done yes. just to prove that he's not a cheat. 
That's yeah. because you can't. That's how conspiracy theories work. There's always a reason for everything. Yeah. Anyway, we shall move on to Livingston, who managed to lose somehow to Aberdeen 2-0 I cannot stress how bad Aberdeen were in this match I watched this game earlier today and Aberdeen were fucking horrendous <laughs> they're defending they let Livingston in for a number of chances that on another day they'd finish um, Livingston really missed Lyndon Dyke so when we come back to that but it was more Aberdeen's attacking play they were shocking it was just aimless long balls they're they're um, when they did try and keep it on the deck, it was slow. McGinn slowed the play down on a number of occasions where he had it in a decent position. The only time that Aberdeen cut Livingston open with a passing move was in the 92nd minute when they won the penalty. <laughs> and by that time, Ricky Lamy was playing up front. So they were like a man down at the back and chasing the game. So um, who was starting up front for Aberdeen? Curtis Main. Okay. Which, yeah, so Curtis Main, I think I, I had a look at it today. I mean, you won't be surprised to hear any of this, but um, so around this time last year, he scored them back to back defeats when he was a Motherwell player against Hearts and Killy. He's since scored twice. He hasn't scored since the 2nd of February. Um, I think John Callan on the season preview for Aberdeen for the Patreons that we did uh, obviously at the beginning of the season because that's why they're a season preview he said that McInnes has a habit of signing players that play well against Aberdeen even if they don't show that like, like, was only like once though that he played <laughs> yeah. well against Aberdeen once he said he thinks that's why he signed Greg Tanzi as well yeah <laughs> I, 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 I fully believe this and sometimes it works in that he signs Graham Shinney and that, that, that works out very well broadly um, but there, there's every chance that there's something in that as well but it, like you say, Livingston, it was, it was the sort of performance from Livingston which, say it was like April and you were watching a Serie B game, everyone would just be tweeting going, Biscotti, Biscotti, this is, this is a game that's been bought, a game that's been fixed. Some of the finishing for Livingston... Chris Erskine just falling over rather than striking for the ball. Absolutely, that, that was the one that really sold it for me, but I, again, some of the, the, the finish, like it's essentially like Livingston just deciding that last year when you came up, Turns out the top flight was a bit of... It was a piece of piss. We were comfortably, comfortably good enough to stay up. So what we'll do is we'll just not sign a goal scorer of any of any note. We'll sign Lyndon Dykes because he's great and he, he's very, very good for us. He's not going to score 15 goals a season. But we'll just play the, we'll play the Premiership on hard mode and, and we'll just not have a goal and scorer we'll and see our, what happens. We'll let one of our top goal scorers from last season go on loan to Angola. As yes. <laughs> the, the standard move. I uh, think... Uh, one more thing I want to say on Aberdeen, actually. I was Obviously, they've had... Um, terrible time with injuries this season especially in central midfield recently so they played Dean Campbell um, and I sat down interested to see how he got on and they just punted the ball over his head <laughs> for 90 minutes uh, yeah. does Considine's goal kind of sum up Aberdeen's performance and that he doesn't even doesn't even win it from a header just runs into it just from a controls it into the net runs yeah. into I it honestly think that if Lyndon Dykes and Alan Lithgow play Livingston win that game comfortably yeah Aberdeen were terrible. It was funny because I thought I'll look up as I thought I'm, I'm coming on here and I'll say, well, you know, for Aberdeen's point of view, okay, they didn't play well, but they got a win at Livingston and not many teams win at Livingston. And then I looked up the stats and well, actually quite a lot of teams have won at Livingston in the last sort of six months. <laughs> it's so, a difficult place uh, to go, but... Yeah, but uh, St. So, so Mirren and Hamilton, I think, both won there uh, after the split or around about that time. So even that doesn't count. So, so it's, I mean, they've got three points and moved up the table. So they can't exactly be furious, but... If they keep playing like that, they won't. They won't win games against right. worse teams than Livingston. 
Can I just ask, would anyone else like to join my petition that we only ever play football in the sunshine or under floodlights between now and the end of time? Because Livingston looked it looked amazing on uh, as as a visual spectacle without watching any of the football. Livingston looked better than it's ever looked in the sunshine. It was the same in the opening day of the season. So I'm saying we don't actually schedule fixtures. We just look at the weather forecast. If it's raining, we'll put it on at night. The rest of the time, if it's sunny, we'll just play the game in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, I mean, football fans do nothing else anyway. We don't have other things to worry about. So let's just have a more fluid schedule. Where we either play at night under floodlights or we play in sunshine and that's it. Does that mean in the summer, if it's raining, we have to play like 11 pm kickoff? Yes. Just like really late at night. Because, I mean, again, is that a really big problem to anybody? Because what, what are you doing at 11 o'clock at night anyway? If Scott Rail could uh, schedule things properly, it'd be alright. But <laughs> just otherwise, support your local club. You're, stuck in, you're stuck in like uh, even. Su- support your local team, it's fine. Oh, well, what about away games? Fine, just go and support another team, it's alright, don't okay. worry about it. There'll okay. be, there will be ways around it. There's always a solution, we just need to get there. But. Scottish football, like, Scottish football just looks better in the sunshine or in the dark. Um, <laughs> speaking of in the dark, um, Motherwell won Ross County 2 as Brian Graham scored, as I said on Twitter, what I think is roughly his 422nd goal against us. Uh, Alan Campbell scored a really nice goal for us and Ross Stewart scored a winner for Ross County. There was three really good goals in this game. Sorry, you weren't finished there. No, no, I was very finished. I'm okay. fucking done with it. Um, three... Three very um, aesthetically pleasing goals. I thought the first two were very well worked. Like you say, the Motherwell yep. one, uh, Cole does very well, dropping deep uh, to create it. And it's a lovely first time finish from Campbell. Um, Gardine draws the two centre halves to him before playing a, a, a wonderful a reverse pass, yeah. pass yeah. to um, to Brian Graham. And then the last one, Ricky Foster, who hadn't really done much in the game, absolutely spins O'Hara and then um, puts in a, a great cross. But Stewart's got a very difficult angle to put that in, yeah. and inside the back post from where he is, and yeah, I just thought um, it, it was a, it was a fairly entertaining game. But all three goals I thought um, were, were were very aesthetically pleasing. I think it was a huge amount, and I think if it if it had finished a draw, I think both teams would be reasonably pleased with mm-hmm. it on the whole. Um, Motherwell had a lot more of the ball, but yeah. um, they didn't. They didn't um, bother Ross County a whole no, lot. No, there weren't, weren't a huge amount of chances in the game. For me, the game hinged on the substitutions within it as well. Definitely, that was that's um, what I had in my notes, definitely. Hilton and O'Hara for Seydorf and Polworth just didn't work for us, whereas Graham Spittle and Chalmers coming off the Gravosti, Peyton and Henderson really did for Ross County. Ross County were very sort of stodgy until, Even, until those players came the, on. And, I Sorry, the first two of those... the first, I, and I, I actually think that Peyton and... Henderson they played, did fine. played yeah. pretty well. They they were quite disciplined defensively. They were neat and tidy on the ball, but they, there wasn't much penetration from yeah. them. And then as soon as they, I think they go one 0 down, they make the double substitution with Spittle and Chalmers coming on, and then right away they've got yeah. much well, more the, penetration. The, the ball, as as you say, the the, the play by Gardine to draw the two centre halves is very good. What's better than that even is the pass from Spittle into Gardine, which one pass sees all three of Motherwell's midfield on the wrong side of the ball, essentially, from that moment. And from there on, again, you can be critical of centre-halves perhaps at that point as well, but all three of the centre, of the central midfielders have bombed on beyond the ball. Hara particularly guilty of that there as well. Again, trying hard not to be too critical of him because it's the first couple of minutes he's played for Motherwell. 
But the, the, the worry way... you would have with Marco Harris, I'm not sure he's ever finished outside about the top four of the bottom four of the league. Excellent, good. But uh, I, I, he just he was <laughs> he was charging about trying himself involved in the game, and that's how the game was sort of broken down at that point. Um, but he, he needed to be a bit more disciplined in that role. It's fine to do that if you have a, a set two behind you, but taking off Polworth, even if he looked a bit knackered, he really removing him from that midfield really sort of he's played almost every him. minute this season has, as yeah. well hasn't so I mean it's, some, it's, someone's got to give at some point do you think O'Hara was brought on to charge about yeah do you think he was brought on to help bring about the second goal rather than to I think so, consolidate yeah. I think the one I, goal lead the, the other thing the game kind of hinged on was the, the Carroll sending off which I thought was a bit unfair. Um, he's, the first one is absolutely a booking five, but again, a bit unfair. First one was also, wild. First one was daft. <laughs> well, not daft, it was the right thing to do at the moment when Stuart was going to break in. Um, That's a booking, but to do two daft things in five minutes, you I, I maybe deserve to get put off. The one was a bit soft, but he, his knee's high and he catches Stuart. Now, Stuart goes down like he's been, yeah. like he's been viciously assaulted, yeah. but... Uh, Carroll tries to get out of it for me because he goes to swing a leg at it, sees it, and then pulls but he out. He still catches on behind me, and I would be annoyed if that was my team. Yes, but I still I can't really blame the referee for the for the decision as to as how I would put it anyway. Yeah, it's it's two daft things from Carroll in five minutes. So you can yeah you can argue he's put off for that. I think it was a bit on. I thought I thought it was a bit tough, but nonetheless, again, we kind of chucked it. it was a there's it's it's difficult as well because both. Both goals as well, just about everybody was culpable in one way or another. Cole tried to take a quick throw into Nolan, gives the ball away, which then sees the ball go through. The midfielders have really overcommitted. Centre-halves don't really do enough. Full-backs don't really do enough. Everybody was kind of, everybody was kind of culpable. And then goes back to Robinson again, the changes that he made, which is generally a strength of his, of his managerial choices. Just didn't work for us either, so it's difficult to be critical of anyone individually. I think collectively, everyone kind of fucked it. No, I was going. I was. I was just happy to leave it back. Since since, since you've you've offered the floor to me, you're talking about Stuart being at the back post like that for such a big guy to be playing, kind of coming off a wide position sometimes makes it so difficult for a team because a lot of the time the fullbacks are, are the smaller yeah. players on the park, and you're getting a big massive guy up against them. I remember. Argentina having this big absolute donkey of a winger for a while. It was, I remember it was when Maradona was in charge and the boy was absolutely useless but all he used to do is like Scotland when we had Lee McCulloch out yeah. there all he used to do is ping just to win, no, uh, win the knock uh, and it's kind of unforgivable when you're Argentina and you have like Messi <laughs> and all that about it, but you can understand it when you're Ross County yeah. um, get get the big back guy at the back post he's, he's very and we talked about him last week a lot Stuart, but he's big he runs well and he's quick that's that's what you want. I mean, what else do you want from a striker at this level? And he's he's done it again. And he's, he's obviously now one of the one of the top scorers in the league as a result. And fair play to him. Excellent. Which leaves us as is tradition a nothing each. Um, as St Mirren and Hamilton played out what could potentially be the worst game of the season. Yes. Um, what, what do you want me to say? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Was Oakley's red card a red card? No, uh, no. <laughs> was not even a foul? No, I said that, that was absolutely because Brian Rice's comments about it were a bit odd. And again, because we we're waiting for the, the fixture or the footage hold back so we could find out what happened. And he doesn't come across as smart. Yeah, his comments were just weird and odd. But then again, after I've seen it, I kind of see where he's coming yeah, from. Yeah, he's trying to say that. Um, he's trying to say I can't say anything on it because I'll get in trouble for. But he's, he's done a unique twist on that, so, so it's, it's nice. It's nice to get a wee bit of variety, which was. He's commenting on other incidents and other games, and 
they weren't cards, but I'm not talking about yeah. this one. And I mean, it's not it's not the referee that's got it wrong; it's me that's wrong because I don't understand football. And that was that was an, an interesting twist on it, but it made the exact same point. And so, yeah, fair fair play to him. And he, and he was he was right because is it um, McLaughlin? Yeah. Um, yeah. Chucked himself down. He, he he won a header. There was not the slightest bit of contact, and he went down holding his face. Um, you were talking. You were showing me about um, Kel McAllister possibly getting sighted. Yeah. If you're talking about sighting players, and and I don't think again, I've said that I don't think if you dive, you should get sighted because you would only get booked if you're yeah. in the game. But if they are, then why not him? Because there's, there's not. It's not like a, it's not like he got a wee touch and he's went down. Yeah. He literally headers the ball. It's the it's the, the, the Ross Stewart one in the Motherwell game. He gets caught. He goes down on his, yeah. and he, he, he rolls a bit. But there's something. Yeah, there. and you don't know for a fact. That yeah, he it's not. You know, yeah, it's, but, some, something hasn't hurt particularly badly. But that one is just it's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, Again, the first one's wild. Yeah, no, he could have been sent yeah. off for that almost. The like second it, one's nothing. And it, the only other thing I've got to add really in this game is that Aki's kit is absolutely hurling. Stop yeah, it. I didn't like that at all. As soon as I saw the graphic of the Not for the, me. the lineups, I thought, what what the fuck's going on here? Um, Samirin, though, it must be quite concerning. I mean, I know they have quite a decent defensive record. Um, they've conceded the fewest goals in the bottom seven or something along those lines. But it's very concerning. I remember John... Uh, Jim Goodwin. Jim Goodwin. Jim John, Goodwin. John, Remember getting John, John from? John Goodwin. John Goodwin. Good Scottish manager, John Goodwin. And he said at the beginning of the season he wasn't going to be judged on oh, yeah, games. I forgot. I, said, I even said this last week that he said to be judged after his next three games, yeah. not his first three games. So, he so now it's well. after his first three games and it's after the next three games. So will we judge Jim Goodwin? Yeah, so John he, Goodwin, sorry. John Goodwin. They did pretty well uh, in those first three matches. Even though they come away with one point and two narrow victories. No. Oh, yeah. Um, no, one win. They won one. Yeah. They beat Aberdeen and had narrow victories against Hibs and defeat, Rangers. Defeats the words you're looking for. Craig, you confuse me. You've confused the <laughs> listeners as well. Victory and defeat thanks. are opposites of each other. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for um, um, correcting me. I don't have to go back and dub over defeat. <laughs> what I said later on. What does Prime Minister make of that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, they haven't looked good in front of goal uh, at all. They're, um, they're struggling I, for goals, I, which I, is my long-winded way of making that point. Uh, I've just got the quote from Goodwin after the game, which tickled me, which was, the fact I'm disappointed that 0-0 says it all about how much I think these players are capable of. You drew 0-0 at home to 10-man Hamilton If you don't think your key players are capable of beating 10-man Hamilton you shouldn't be in the league. So... Uh, uh, I've said this before about Goodwin as a manager. He is not a winning manager. He is a keep a team up manager. That's that's why he's hired. But that there is a lack of ambition from him, and maybe fair enough. His he's, his target is tenth and nothing else. But that's not what I would want to ever hear oh, from no, my, a manager. My target's eleventh and played Dundee right in the playoffs again for them. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so you see, that that would worry me if I was a St Mirren fan, which thankfully I'm not. Well, that's so. Uh, that, that's us for this week. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we are off to go and record the Patreon, where we are going to talk about comebacks, I believe, which should be quite good fun. Uh, the TV show, which is inspired by this podcast, will return on Friday, which is very exciting for you all to tune into, uh, which is on BBC Scotland at 10.30 as well, so please do tune in for that. And... Uh, tell us what you think about that as well um, we will be back again on Thursday with another show and I believe there will be more Patreon content this week as well, I can't remember which, what Thursday's Patreon content is or Wednesdays or whichever days the Patreons come out on midweek as well I'm getting confused now yeah, yeah absolutely lost on it 
But yeah, thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much, Craigs. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much, Graham. Sports Social Podcast Network.